Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome in, Red Sox fans. You know what time of the week it is. It's Red Sox beat again here. My name is Jared Scali alongside Nathan Rollins. Nate, what is going on, my friend? Nothing much. How about yourself? Not too much. Excited for the World Series to get going here yep. this week. Hopefully, it might be done by the time we're on the show next week. <laughs> you never know the way the way this bit, uh, series could be played with these two teams. Before we get going, I just want to I want to preach again that we appreciate you guys sharing us and really getting at it and we want to just remind you guys that if you go onto the page of CLNS on Stitcher and iTunes and search CLNS you will find our podcast along with other podcasts as well. We want to thank you all for doing that and we want to appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Again, if you go onto iTunes and Stitcher and search CLNS, our podcast will come up along with the other great podcast and the post-game show series here on CLNS Radio. Nate, we got a lot to talk about today. we even got some Red Sox news to talk about, which is exciting considering they've been long gone out of our minds in terms of playing. But we do have some Red Sox news. Uh, first of all, Yuanis Cespedes has switched to Rock Nation. That was just discovered today. And that also could have some good be good news for Red Sox fans considering... They have strong ties. They are also the representative of Rusney Castillo, Rusne Castillo, and that's a good news, as well as other Red Sox ties within the organization. So it's, it could potentially be good news that he switched to Rock Nation, or it could be him looking for some money and knowing that Rock Nation has provided its clients with great success of big, big contracts in the past. So either way you want to look at it, you want to as a sign with Rock Nation today. So we, um, we'll, we'll talk on... Obviously, the World Series stuff. Red Sox hired a new hitting coach, which is which could be a bit potentially be a big deal. I have a pitching pro, pitching potential idea for the Red Sox rotation, cheap option. Bring that up as well. We have Tom Joyce going to be joining us in a few minutes, as well as we have Brian Enough of Baseball Essential joining us later on in the show as well. So we have two guests for you today. Jam packed show. We got the World Series to preview and talk about. Nate and I will give you. Our picks at the end of the show. We told you last week that we would tease it and leave it to you for this week, so you will get that at the end of the show this week. But Nate, first off, I just expressed what I felt about the whole Rock Nation thing. Do you think there's any really thing to read into with Cespedes signing at Rock Nation, or think it's just hey, whatever, we'll see what happens? Yeah, I don't think this. You should look too much into that. I mean, I just see him switching over um, agents, and you know, you know, the players are going to go where the money is. I mean, there's very few players who will go where there's a winning environment, and um, so I wouldn't look too much into it. I, I do see him sticking around, and I do think eventually he will sign long-term with the Sox. I hope you're right. I don't know if I completely agree, just because I haven't seen anything that would point to that direction yet, but I hopefully, I'm hoping you're right, Nate, because I feel like he can learn how to play left field here, and we dealt with, we dealt with Manny's incapabilities of playing the outfield forever for his bat. I'm hoping the Red Sox can look past a little, a couple, a few defensive flaws, even though Cespedes obviously has the gun for the arm. But um, I'm hoping they can look past some of those and really work on getting him here long term. Now I've heard some things today suggesting that Cespedes maybe be traded just because he's not con- competing for a long term deal, he's not considering the Red Sox for a long term deal right now. But that's basically saying, well, the guy's contract's up at the end of the year, we should, we should just deal him now. No, that makes no sense. 
not at all, actually. Uh, you shouldn't be trading a guy just because he's in a contract year when you know he's not coming back because you don't know that. You just said he's leaning towards not coming back. So I think you let this year play out if you can't sign him now and you, you bite the bullet if it costs you a few extra bucks in the offseason if he has a good year for you and l- let him help you get back to the postseason in 2015. I think that's the way the Red Sox definitely need to handle it on this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, all signs point towards him not returning. You, you mean, you got to deal him and get something in return. I mean, you, you really can't just let a guy of his talent walk on the market. I mean, that would just be, you know, a complete a complete waste in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. It would definitely be a waste considering he can is probably going to be a very successful hitter this year, and I expect him to do big things in 2015 regardless of the contract situation. Now that kind of brings us kind of right into the news that I wanted to start the show off with, Nate, is um, the hiring of Chili Davis. Now, it's been reported, and basically Don Deal, that the Red Sox have hired Chili Davis as the new hitting coach this year, replaces Cal Bruin, and I know the Red Sox had their eye on Bill Miller, who ended up re-upping at the, as the Cubs um, hitting coach. There's been other options as well, but I think Chili Davis, Nate, I think makes the most sense. Yeah, I, I think he does make the most sense. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's worked uh, in the AAA system for uh, Pawtucket in 2011. Uh, he's got ties to the young guys. Um, you know, he did a good job in Oakland. He got guys swinging the bats. I mean... Y- Earlier in the year, this was one of the best offenses. I mean, this is a team who averaged four and a half runs under Chili Davis, and um, you know I do think he'll improve. He'll improve this offense. I mean, he he's he's got a good eye for talent. He, I think he can get the best out of Middlebrooks, and you know, Coburn just wasn't doing the job. And um, this offense should have been much better than it was this year. So I'm happy they're going in a new direction. Maybe a little bit internal with Chili Davis, but I, I like the fact that he does have ties to the uh, to the young guys and you know that does make the most sense and to beat out the Yankees for a hitting coach there's nothing better than that either yeah it definitely helps him beating out the Yankees for sure I definitely agree and hope that he can really get the best out of Middlebrooks because it seems like the middle the Middlebrooks its situation is going to be here for at least for next year and I think that like you said, it helps because he has ties with these young guys. He used to be the hitting coach in Pawtucket, and he has he has ties in the system. I think he knows these guys, and he knows how they play. And I'm not sitting here saying the hitting coach is going to be the difference because, all in all, the roster was not good last year. It's up to them to really play. The hitting coach does squat when you, t- when you really put the helmet on and go to the plate. It's up to Middlebrooks to hit the damn ball, and he hasn't done that. But I'm hoping that Chili Davis can really come in and help not just Middlebrooks, but other players as well. Potentially, if Jackie Bradley Jr. gets on a roster, or maybe he can help figure him out as well during spring training. Obviously, we're giving up on Jackie Bradley, but it's definitely an odd thing to think about. But I think Middlebrooks is the big one where we think about it, and we really really hope that he's going to be here and really help Middlebrooks find that power that we know Middlebrooks has, but has been struggling at the plate, of course, in recent years. And I think that between him, and I think the big one is going to be Cespedes and Castillo. I think you're going to have to see adjustment period. Castillo, once he gets into full swing, I think he'll be okay, but having a good, solid hitting coach will help. And I think Cespedes will be taught how to hit even better than he already is. I think you're going to see Cespedes' power numbers increase, especially the fact that he's used to Cespedes because he was his hitting coach in Oakland until he got traded here. So there's definitely going to be great familiarity there and expect Cespedes to really have a great season in 2015. So another reason why the Red Sox shouldn't get rid of him now, because you're, even, even if you don't get him long-term, you're going to get a great year out of him this year. So I think you really have to let that one play out. And I think Chili Davis is a great hire. I think the, really the big thing for me is him having the ties to Pawtucket and really knowing these guys and knowing what they can bring to um, really bring to the organization as a whole. I really, I really feel like they're going to move forward well with Chili Davis. Um, he has a playing history too. I'm not. I don't really remember what it is, but it doesn't matter as much to me as the coaching history. He's had success when he was here in Pawtucket with these young guys who are now on the big club. Potentially, he could help out a Chikini if he's on the roster as well. You don't know what they're going to do with their base. Preferably Chase Headley because I don't think you're going to get Pablo Sandoval. But I think it's a good hire by the Red Sox, Nate. I really do. I think Chili Davis knows what he's doing, and he's definitely going to bring the best out of all the uh, the guys struggling on the team, I think you're going to get an even more of a monster year from Ortiz. You're gonna, he might be able to tweak his swing a little bit and really put even better numbers up. Pedroia will 
become another factor as well in having a great season. And I think the big one, too, another big one that I just popped in my head now, so I'm going to bring it up, Nate, is Christian Vasquez. Hasn't been playing, wasn't really hitting well, really, towards the end of the year. I think we're praising his defensive capabilities, but I think I think Chili Davis could really help him at the plate, figuring out his mechanics. I think Vasquez is primed for a big year at the plate, hopefully, as well. Yeah, I, I do hope Vasquez is, but you know, I, I don't want to look too much into it, you know. I, I do feel confident he can help Middlebrooks. I mean, Middlebrooks is a third baseman who we thought was just going to be the future. I mean, this kid came up, he was a stud, he was hitting home runs left and right over the monster, and we thought, God, we got a, a third baseman for the next 10 years. And, you know, I really do think he can sit down with Middlebrooks, iron out a swing, you know. He, he's got to do something with the off-speed pitches. I, I think Davis will be able to work with him. Um, but, you know, I don't want to look too much into the Ortiz's and Pedroia's improving. I mean, Ortiz, is, he's already pretty much past his prime. I don't know what it, quite what a new hitting coach is going to do for him. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's average, but, you know, Ortiz is pretty well, could be a hitting coach himself. Um, you know, and I don't know as much how he's going to help Pedroia. I think Pedroia's pretty much got what he wants to accomplish down. And, you know, it's just a matter of staying healthy with Pedroia. But, you know, some of the young guys... Uh, Vasquez, uh, you mentioned Arcicini, you know, I do think he can have an impact with them. I mean, you got to catch them at a young age before they come up and before they get into the bad habits that some of these players just, quite frankly, can't break out of. Yeah, the, I think you're definitely right on the young players. I think they'll definitely be impacted the most. Um, I, st- I do think Pedroia's issue is mainly staying healthy, but I do think that you never know. He might be able to add a little more power. Um I know he's older, he has his habits, but you never know what a hitting coach can do. I'm not giving him that much praise because hitting coaches, like I said before, aren't the ones stepping into the batter's box and taking those cuts. It's the players, so they have to figure it out partially, if not mostly, on their own. But it's nice to have a hitting coach, especially for the young guys. So I think Chili Davis is something to watch and see how the offense does, especially with the potential additions that they're going to make in the offseason. Other Red Sox news, I don't know if it's really more news, I think we just kind of all start coming, but the Red Sox have potentially been interested are interested now in Justin bringing Justice Justin Masterson back, excuse me. And um I'm kind of okay with that Nate if they did it. Now, I mean, we're going I'm going to ask Tom about this as well as uh Brian later on, but I think Justin would be a cheap option. Masterson was traded to the Cardinals this year from the Indians. Uh his ERA was a 7.04 when he since he joined the Cardinals, I think his his, oh, it's right in front of me. There it is. His season ERA was 5.88. Eh, it was, it's okay, but I think with him doing worse with the Cardinals and eventually being left off their postseason roster all in all, he eventually got moved to the bullpen before that. You, if you go for Masterson, it's definitely going to be a cheap option. It's going to be a one-year deal for whoever gets him at this point because now he's got to reprove himself. Because don't forget, he had a great year. in Cle- He wasn't pitching horribly in Cleveland before he got traded. I think they just really needed to figure out who they were, and they didn't fit for him. And I think last year he had a great year. I think if you're going to sign him, whoever signs him, not even if it's just the Red Sox, you're going to be banking on a comeback year. And I think he's aged, I believe he's 30 now. So I think... You're definitely banking on something, but for a one-year deal, I'm okay with signing him, especially if you get, say, a James Shields, because then you'd have a top three of potentially Shields, Buckholz, and Masterson, which isn't terrible with the way the offense, again, is projected to be. And then if you could potentially flip, say, a couple prospects and someone else if you, and pull off maybe a Cole Hamels deal, you could potentially get Lester and Shields back together. Highly doubt it will happen. But realistically, if they did it right this offseason, Nate, you could potentially have a Cole Hamels, James Shields, Buckholz, and Justin Masterson if they really wanted to go out there and make a splash. Yeah, I, I do like the thought of bringing Masterson back. I mean, you know, this is a low-risk, high-reward. I think he's he's either going to be a hit or miss. I think he's either going to make an impact or in your rotation, or you're just not going to be able to stand him. And you're going to essentially have to send double-A or triple-A because, I mean, his numbers over the past years have just not been good. And, I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy with a career ERA of 4.24. You know, I don't. You had mentioned maybe a two. I don't know as I'd want him as a two, but, um, you know, he's a viable option to bring in, test him out, and, you know, see what you can get from him. You know, he'll work with the pitching coach and, um, you know, bringing him back could 
be an option, but you know, Hamels Hamels move to have him top the rotation. I, I I'd like that. I think if you're gonna bring in a James Shields, you need that guy at the top of the rotation. Now I know everyone thinks Shields the guy at the top, but his postseason ERA, as I'd mentioned before, is just scary for me. So I think we'd need somebody at the top, whether it's a Hamels or whether it's a Lester, to uh, really anchor that staff. And you know, if you can have four four potentially one twos deep in your rotation, you're looking at a pretty pretty viable rotation heading into next year and you know they could be very well competing yeah i think the pitching is the biggest thing off this offseason we've talked about this at extent over the last couple weeks and i think if you can pull off masterson and keep him obviously it's going to be a low cost like you said it's going to be high high risk low uh high reward if you really if it pays off and i really think with with this low risk thing issue with masterson i feel it's definitely worth going for, and obviously John Farrell has some history with him as well, so that would help out. I would really, honest, even if you couldn't pull off Cole Hamels, I'm okay with having a Shields, Buckle, uh, Masterson at three, and then eventually if Masterson reshaped to his old self and Buckholz didn't really straighten out too much, you could switch those two at two, three at some point. I'd be okay with that if you were to say go out and get me a, a couple bat, more bats. Hey, say if you could go out and get me a Chase Headley, and then go out and maybe potentially get someone else as well. I'm okay with that depending on what else they do, but I think I think we've talked about this enough too, but I think the first priority is pitching, and for me, I think there's no reason there's not really no reason why you can't have if you really if you're going to go get Masters and there's no reason to not have Cole Hamels, James Shields, Buck Colson Masters in this rotation. I think that's probably the most realistic thing in terms of if they were going to go big um I'm even okay if you don't get Masterson and just get Shields and Hamels, that's still an upgrade to me. Uh, obviously not upgrading from really much. And then potentially, I would like to see them go get Andrew, Andrew Miller in the bullpen. So that's obviously to help their bullpen and really buckle that down as well and then see what they do with the closer role. But I really think that this team has a lot of options like we've talked about. And Masterson is just another wrinkle in that. Um, I really hope that the Red Sox look at him and I really think that they will. I think they are. I think they're in on him as well. Um the only way I see that really not happening in terms of that four-man rotation I'm talking about is if they don't get Cole Hamels, because I feel like Shields is almost, the way everything's, the reports are coming out and the way things are going, obviously nothing's going to really be said because he's still pitching in the World Series, but I really think it, the, I think it's like 70% that he's coming to Boston the way everything's sounding. Now, I'm not going to get my hopes up because it's happened before. We basically signed A-Rod that one year and it didn't. he signed a contract and it went through and other things like that. In other sports, you had people sign things as well. So it doesn't really... I don't want to say anything until it really goes through, but I think it's a good chance that you're going to have James Shields next year. Now it's just a matter of what they put around him and potentially, obviously, Buckholz. Um, Buckholz really needs to figure his stuff out, Nate. And I'm, I know we don't really need to talk about it too much, but because but, we know where it is, where he's at with that. But I think really depending on what they do this offseason is, season isn't going to depend on where Buckholz is. I think they're going to do the best they can to make this rotation better, and then if they can get Buckholz on top of his game and really where he should be, that's just an added bonus at this point. Yeah, you're right. It is an added bonus. And I, I was just listening to you, and you had I, I heard you say that you a Hamels Shields is a slightly better upgrade than what we had this year. Did I catch that correct? <laughs> okay, probably a really better upgrade. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and the guy I think we're really forgetting about is Joe Kelly. I just see the sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, his fastball, his breaking ball, the way he mixes in his pitches is just tremendous. I mean, this kid pitched very well for the Red Sox down the stretch. I mean, he blended right into the team like he was there from the beginning. And I, I, I see Joe Kelly being a two or three down the road, if not next year. And I wouldn't want to put him, um, excuse me, Masterson at the two yet. I think Kelly's a better pitcher than Masterson. Uh, like I said, watching him this year, he just has better stuff. He's more durable than Masterson. And I think he's a better pitcher than Buckholz. I mean, Buckholz has got some filthy stuff. But, you know, he just cannot stay on the field. He cannot locate his pitches at times. When he gets down, he's just he's just trash for the whole game. And, you know, <coughs> excuse me, I think he really has to sit down with the pitching coach and say, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing, and I need to know what I'm doing wrong because, quite frankly, when I go out there, it's just not working for me. Yeah. Um, Buckholz is definitely a liability. He has been for uh, at least the last year, a couple of years now, and – for me, I think the big 
thing is I really want to see Buckholz improve just more with the confidence. I think that the strengths there, I don't think he's really – he's obviously not completely durable, but I think he's healthy. I think he needs to get out of his mental game. And I think you saw him pitch a little better towards the end of the year. But – and I honestly totally forgot about Joe Kelly. I think that if you – I think Joe Kelly is a good piece, and I think he's going to be here for a little while. I think you can ideally – Say you don't get Cole Hamels, because Cole Hamels involves trading things. And I know they're going to have to do that. But say you don't get Cole Hamels, and you could – you could, I, I know you might not like this, Nate, but if you have James Shields as your ace going into next year, or your quote-unquote ace, and you could have – you have and – you and you say you do get Masterson, then your top four would potentially be Shields. I know that I know we don't want this, but you've got to think they're going to put Buckholz at two, and then Joe Kelly, three, Masterson, four. Because you have to think that they're not going to put Buckles at three just because it's, he's their guy. Yeah, uh, I do think they may have him uh, as the two guy. Um, I don't know how long it lasts in that role. I mean, <laughs> his numbers uh, up and down, you know, last year going into this year and the year before last. You know, it makes you wonder what you're really getting from this guy. And, you know, I would not be too surprised if Buckles' name gets as thrown around as um, in a potential trade. I know if they're looking at Stanton, I know they said they won't be trading Stanton, but for a guy like maybe a Josh Donaldson or something, I think Buckholz needs to be in a system like Oakland, where well, you know, he's in a big ballpark, he's working with a pitching mind, pitching minded team, and you know, I, that's where I think Buckholz belongs. I, I don't think he has much of a future here in Boston. And um, a guy I like, and I'd mention it again, Aaron Harang. I mean, he's an innings eater. He has a He's a sinker ball pitcher, keeps the ball low, and, you know, I think he'd fit in well in Fenway Park. And I would not be too surprised if you hear his name connected to the Red Sox because I think uh, he could be a very good three or four starter. Yeah, I wouldn't mind him either. Like you say, he's a low ball pitcher, and the, be- the, the further you keep it down in the strike show to Fenway, the more success you're going to have. Exactly. Just due, to the, just due to the size of the park, we all know that. Um, if, you, if you could pull him off, because he's not, he's not as, as an expensive option, Considering if you don't get Cole Hamels, which I, I, I'm not banking on the Cole Hamels thing. It would be a nice bonus, obviously, but I'm not banking on that. I'm banking on Shields as of now. So if you could potentially put Shields together with, obviously, Buckholz at two for now, and then Joe Kelly and Harang, that's a solid four. And then even if you don't find someone for that fifth spot like a Masterson, you still have young guys who can fill that spot. I'm okay with having a young guy fill the fifth spot in the rotation because of the whole idea of you can skip starts if they have to, and you can cycle guys in and out of that fifth spot. I like a top four of guys who actually have pitched in this league for a decent amount of time, um, especially as the Red Sox, and you have the money to do that, and you, well, you want to try to contend every year, and that's the goal, and that's what fans expect. I like the idea of having four pitchers who actually know what they're doing. Um, and if and if you have a four rotation of that, again, Shields, Buckholz, Joe Kelly, and Harang, obviously not in that order, hopefully, um, <laughs> then I think you're okay with having a young guy at the fifth spot. Yeah, I, I do like the idea of a young guy at the fifth spot. And I mean, the Red Sox do have a, do have a lot of young guys. I mean, De La Rosa, I don't see him much as a starter, but I mean, we've got Re- uh, Webster Renato. You could always give Owens a shot mid-year. So I, I do like the idea of uh, flirting around the fifth spot with a young guy. And as you mentioned, you know, it's key. You can skip a start, but I, I would... Yeah, I would be a little bit cautious because if if we're going to have Buckholz in this rotation and you're going to bring in a guy like Masterson, those are two starts that you, you really don't know what you're going to get. And you don't want to put too much strength in the bullpen unless you are going to go out and you are going to make a serious improvement in the bullpen. Yeah, I think their bullpen's not awful as of right now. Um, it's not good. <laughs> it's not great. No, it's definitely not great. Um, I think adding if you can go re-add Andrew Miller, that's a huge step. Um, into put going in the right way. I think you dealt with him, obviously, because you kind of felt like you really needed to, and there was no need to keep him at that point. I think if you can add Andrew Miller back, it's not going to be too expensive, and then hopefully you can go from there in terms of finding a way to make your rotation better. Um, Buckholz, to me, just cannot be a two. I know he's going to be, but I think that, like you said, the durability might not be there. Whole, and I, I get skipping starts might not. It's not going to happen a lot if you skip a start. But I like that you only have like if you 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 can do it if it's your you really need to, but you have also have if depending on who you trade in terms of prospects in terms in terms of the pitching you might you can see some guys cycle through you might even see Henry Owens make a start for the Red Sox next year depending on his how his season goes in Pawtucket so there's definitely a lot of options there 
for the fifth spot. If you skip a star, it's not going to be too often, and you're not going to really have to kill Buckholz because he's not the one. So I'm okay. I'm in favor of skipping starts, really, only if it has to be done. But I'm okay with it because Buckholz isn't going to be your one. If he is your one, you're not going anywhere. So you have to definitely push for that to not happen. I don't think it will happen. I don't think the Red Sox are that stupid, um, especially where them signing Castillo. They definitely in the, they're definitely in it to get better next year. They're making the promises to the fans. They definitely gonna. I'm hoping that they're gonna keep on these promises because they started the spending with Castillo, and now I need them to spend on the pitching rotation. Because if you go after Chase Headley, it won't be as expensive as say a Pablo Sandoval. Save some money on that end and go after some pitching. And if you can have a good pitching rotation with the offense that we basically already have here, because you still have Pedroia, Ortiz, Napoli, and Cespedes there, and then now adding Castillo into the mix, you can compete with those teams if that whole se- if the season actually pans out. The players, if you have a pitching rotation to go after those teams, because you know the Tigers are still going to be there. They're going to look to bolster their bullpen next year, and then obviously now the Royals aren't going to go anywhere. Just they're going to have to add another pitcher to replace Shields. But you don't really. You, there's going to be some competition, but I think if the Red Sox do it right, add some pitching, they're definitely going to be able to move forward next year. And I think you're going to see them make the playoffs at least next year, Nate. I don't know about winning the division, depending on the the Orioles. I think the Orioles are going to be here for – I think the Orioles are for real. I don't think they're going anywhere. And I think it's going to be the Red, Red Sox and Yankees trying to play catch-up to the Orioles now for the next couple of years. I think you could uh, – what you could be seeing is the Red Sox piecing themselves uh, – kind of model after the uh, Orioles. If they're not going to go out and they're not going to sign the big-name pitching, I mean, we've seen the Orioles do it with Chad and Tillman. I mean, the Red Sox could very well be, like you said, with a Masterson, with a, um, a Buckholz, and you could see them in a very similar spot as the Orioles are. You know, the bats carry the team, and, you know, good catching, which we have in Vasquez, uh, good game calling, and timely hitting. Uh, good defense, it, that's just what Baltimore wins by. And, uh, you know, by the looks of the Red Sox now, it, it looks like they're going in that direction. I, I don't know if you see that or I'm just losing it. <laughs> no, I don't think you're losing it. I don't think you're crazy at all, actually, Nate, because um, you, you look at what they're doing. And it's actually, I really don't know if I can answer your, that idea of a question just until the offseason is done and see what they do. Because if they go after Cole Hamels and James Shields and go after two big-name guys – then they might not be trying it. But I think, ideally, they're going to try to model Like I think right now you're right. I think they're looking at the Royals and seeing James Shields and seeing what they're doing with that staff. You're looking at the Orioles, and they're winning with Bud Norris on their rotation. And, and Bud Norris and Tillman were their top two guys going into the playoffs. And, I, and it worked. They got to the ALCS, and they just hit a really hot Royals team who played well and hit some decent pitching from them as well. And, again, well, the Royals' defense didn't help the Orioles that much either. We'll get to that eventually once we preview this World Series. But I think the way the Orioles are doing it can work. I think the way the Royals are doing it can work. It has worked. They're, they both got to the ALCS. The Royals are playing for the World Championship. So I definitely think the Red Sox, and especially if the Red Sox have a decent offense, which, again, we keep saying it, they're projected to do that. With, if they stay healthy this year with their with their big-name guys and – Castillo pans out. Cespedes is going to be here for a full year now. You're getting going to get some production out of this lineup, hopefully. Uh, a studless rotation isn't going to be necessarily a bad thing because if you have James Shields leading a rotation of decent guys who are all number two starters and then going after an offense like that, I think that almost works better because then if you can save some money on the back end, have a decent bullpen, like, the, like a good bullpen like the Orioles and the Royals do with a somewhat decent offense who produces – gets those timely hits, like again, like the Red Sox did last year and the Royals are doing this year, and then have a rota- pitching rotation who can get you into that sixth, maybe seventh inning, then you're looking at a decent thing because then you have a lockdown bullpen, hopefully, if not 100% lockdown, but something decent. And then you have offense that can score, and then you just have to worry about who's going to close the games out for you next year, which more and more seems to me it's going to be Koji. But I think that you definitely can win and be successful modeling yourself after what the Orioles and the Royals have done. And I know I've posed the question a lot on Twitter, advertising and promoting our show. I think you definitely can definitely can win and do what the Orioles are doing and pace it at a long term. I don't think the Orioles are going anywhere. I think they've put together the right idea. You have a successful bullpen backing up starters who can get you into the sixth inning. And I think if you have a decent bullpen like they do, I'm okay with getting peak starters into the sixth, maybe seventh inning, and that's it. Yeah, and you know, another thing that I see in uh, all three teams, the Royals, the Orioles, and the Red Sox, is good farm systems. I mean, when a guy goes down, they can have somebody who 
call right up. Yeah, you know, when an infielder goes down, call an infielder right up. And, you know, that's something we've seen with the Orioles. I mean, it didn't take them too long to, uh, to replace Matt Wieters and uh, Chris Davis. You know, those are, those are the type of things that uh, teams who are going to build, uh, not go out and spend all the money, need to do. And I think the Red Sox are in a good situation to uh, essentially model themselves after what the Orioles have been doing. I mean, they don't need to go out, and they don't need to do what the Yankees do in the Sabathias and the Pinedas. They, they can win internal. They just got enough talent, and with the team they have now, barring they had a few pitching, uh, pitchers, excuse me, and and they got the they got the farm systems, you know. It's all right in the hands. Uh, the cards are in their hand, you know. They, now we'll just see how it plays out. Red Sox have plenty of options to go with. We've, we've talked about this numerous amounts of time. And they have plenty of different ways they can go this offseason. We're going to be here, obviously, throughout the offseason with you guys talking about it. And But there's still baseball to be played here, Nate. And we're going to do a little World Series preview. But right now, we are joined by Brian Denuff of Baseball Essential. All right, Brian, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing good, Jared. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. Not too bad. I appreciate you coming on. Um, before we get to the World Series and preview the World Series, because that's obviously the big news in the baseball world right. around this time of the year, um, first I want to get your opinion on the signing of Chili Davis to be the hitting coach for the Red Sox, because I know the Yankees were close to getting him and he was in the process, but he obviously has Red Sox ties here. So two kind of two questions, really. Do you think it's a good sign for the Red Sox and your non-biased opinion, because I know you're a Yankees fan, and two, do you think the Yankees missed out on him? Um, I definitely think it's a good signing for the Red Sox, without a doubt. Um, of course, you know, as you said, he had those Red Sox ties. Um, he was with the Pawtucket Red Sox as their hitting coach, actually. So now he's now the major league hitting coach. Um, I think for a team like the Red Sox, it's definitely good to have uh, a um, a coach who has, you know, been successful in the major leagues. You know, there are a ton of coaches who are great leaders, but not necessarily they were good players. So I think he can relate more to the players the Red Sox have. Um I think, yeah, I think it wasn't a surprise that he that he chose the Red Sox over the Yankees. Um, definitely was a loss for the Yankees. I think he would be a good hitting coach. You know, people like to point at the fact that, that when he was with the A's, uh, they kind of fell off in the second half, but they kind of traded away their best hitter in Joanna Cespedes to the Boston Red Sox. So, you know, Chili Davis goes back and reunites with Cespedes. And, um, you know, for a team like the Red Sox, who, who definitely have um, – uh, a lot of question marks. Um, I think having Chili Davis lead the way with the hitter side, hitting side of the team is, is definitely important. And um, the Yankees right now, um, they also are not going to hire Dave Magden. So now we, I really have no idea who the new Yankee City coach will be. Um, <laughs> if it wasn't going to be Davis and it wasn't going to be Magden, uh, really haven't heard any other candidates. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, definitely intriguing on the Yankees part. One last kind of follow-up to that Chili Davis thing. Do you think there's a lot of talk around here, at least, that Cespedes might not stay long-term, and a lot of Red Sox fans are worried because a lot of us up here like him. Do you think that Chili Davis helps the Red Sox keep Cespedes here longer than just 2015? Um, I think it definitely has an impact, I'd say, because I know Davis signed a three-year contract with the Boston Red Sox. Um, mm -hmm. I think it, it, it's something that Cespedes will probably like, I'm sure, if he wants to stay with Boston, he'll have the comfort of having his old hitting coach back to give him that sense of uh, familiarity. But... Um, I think overall, I think Cespedes, um, I, I really hope the Red Sox keep him because I think they have their, a franchise star in him. Um, and I know that he's had kind of disputes about playing right field and isn't too comfortable playing, you know, in front of the Green Monster and stuff like that. But um, I think he's a big part of that team. I think, you know, even though they have, you know, Castillo and, um, you know, Mookie Betts and all the young outfielders, um, I think Cespedes is a big part of the, this Red Sox team if they really want to be successful, for, you know, uh, quickly, not just rebuild for years and years and years. I will tell you that if they decide to rebuild for years and years and years, I might go burn Fenway Park down because <laughs> I am done with it. Uh, the success that we're used to having now since 2004, obviously, is a big deal for us, and mm -hmm. we're getting comfortable winning all the time. And even though it's been it's been two out of the last three years, they've been awful. The World Series kind of gave them, I feel like, a little bridge here, and they didn't do anything with it. So now I'm hoping that next year they can come out and have a little bit more success and potentially get back to where they were. I think they can if they get the pitching rotation settled down, though, for sure. Yeah, I think they will. I, I have a lot of confidence in the Red Sox as an objective, uh, you know, baseball fan. I, I love what they did. I love that they were able to see, you know, that this last season was kind of over. Um, so, you know, they got a lot of value back for who they traded away. Um, 
you know, they have a lot of promising young stars uh, or young prospects, I should say, that could potentially become stars down the road. Um, still have Pedroia, still have David Ortiz for another season, at least. So I think the Red Sox are in a good place. They definitely need pitching, but there's tons of it available on the free agent market. So they may, they sign a few starters, and, you know, then all of a sudden their lineup looks pretty good with if they keep Cespedes and Napoli and, and Pedroia and, um, you know, uh, Victorino if he comes back and, um, the list goes on and on. I think the Red Sox have a solid lineup. So I think if they just get pitching, I could totally see them turning around, maybe not making the playoffs, but definitely being a lot better than they were this year. I'll take a competitive season after what we dealt this yeah. year. But um, there's a World Series to deal with, mm-hmm. and one of the guys on the, the Red Sox radar, of course, is James Shields. Now, this, I'm going to ask you only because the argument around CLNS Radio and around at least when I ask it on Twitter and things have been – Really back and forth, I want to know straight up, do you think James Shields is an ace, or do you think he's more of a two-pitcher who just happens to be on a staff that really needs to be, have him as an ace just because of their lack of depth? Um, I absolutely agree with the second uh, idea. I think James Shields is an amazing pitcher. It's a terrific pitcher. Um, but, right, he, I think he is the ace of the Royals because no one else can be. Um, not, not, you know, slighting Shields in any way. He is a solid pitcher. Um, but you know, in most other scenarios, would I want him being my ace starting game one of the World Series? Maybe not. Um, you know, he wasn't too great in the playoffs so far. I mean, he was he was he was decent. He was good. Um, you know, in the season he was great in the, in the regular season, but um, 5.63 ERA in his three starts in the playoffs. So um, I think Shields overall is a solid pitcher. He's gonna get he's gonna get ace money because he really is the best pitcher besides Max Scherzer, I'd say, on the market. So, or And John Lester, sorry. Yep, but um, yep, he's, yeah, he's definitely course. in that top three, and he definitely will get uh, big money. And um, uh, you can't go wrong with James still starting for you, but would you want him being the ace of the staff? I wouldn't say so. But, um, you know, we, we look at, you know, James Shields and, and all the Royals, you know, the, a debate about the Royals, but, hey, they have a chance to be the first postseason team to sweep right through the playoffs. So, I mean, clearly they're doing something right, and I mean, if they're going to win a world championship with Shields as their ace, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you can really question his status. Yeah, it definitely gives you hope, at least as a me as a Red Sox fan, and other Red Sox fans, that you could potentially do it without three or four aces, a la the Oakland Athletics who they beat and the Detroit Tigers who they mm-hmm. beat, who would lost. So it's tough to say that you need more than one or two good pitchers really anymore. If the way, especially the Orioles pulled through the playoffs as well. Um, Going to the World Series now, it's what we're talking about. It's getting excited for it. What do you think the Giants have to do to stop the Royals from sweeping right through and winning the World Series? Um, I think the Giants have to get great pitching. I think that's that's really the key. I think, um, you know, they have to play good defense because the Royals are a team, you know, that plays small ball, that, that isn't going to um, blow you away power-wise. You know, they aren't a home-run hitting team, really. Um, I think it all comes down to true. I mean, it, it, it sounds simple and it sounds cliche, but it comes down to simple execution, you know, making the right pitches, um, Buster Posey staying, staying quick behind the plate, you know, cause they're going to be running all over him. They're going to try to at least, um, you know, Gerard Dyson and Lorenzo Cain and all those guys. So it's going to be a real battle. Um, I think the giants, uh, if they really want to win this world series, I mean, I'm sure they do. Um, they're going to have to really silence the Royal sitters because, they're going to score at least two, three runs a game somehow throughout the playoffs. They've been able to do that. So if you can limit them, and the Giants have a pretty potent lineup of their own, um, I like I, I like the Giants' chances if they do everything. You know, if they are able to to, to keep the Royals off the bases, that's that's the most important thing. There's been a lot of talk coming up to the World Series of uh, the managerial difference between Yost and the Giants, and do, do you think that there's a huge gap between the two managers going into the World Series. Obviously, one has been there before and one hasn't, but do you think that Yost has caught up his sense in terms of, do you think he's has the same managerial skills going into the World Series? Um, I think to a certain degree, yes. Um, I don't. I, I think Bruce Bochy is, is, is a far superior manager. Um, I, I think they have, they have uh, similar styles in the way they use their bullpens, um, I guess you could argue. Um, I, I think at this point... Um, when it comes to the World Series, I mean, unless there's a huge difference, I don't think man, you know, uh, managerial decisions normally come, you know, play a huge impact. Um, I think at this point, you know, the two best teams are fighting it out, and and it's whoever's on the field that's going to make the biggest impact. But 
Um, I think Bruce Bochy is definitely a better manager. I think it's. I think I'd rather have him in the dugout in a World Series yep. rather than Ned Yost. As you said, with the experience, that is huge. Um, yeah, I, I, I would have to say Bruce Bochy, but um, I, th- I don't think they're that they're that different. But I guess Bochy has had more success, you know, than Yost, so it makes it makes him look like the better manager. Now the big story about both these teams has been they both came from the wild card games. They both both teams didn't even get to 90 wins this season, which is the first time that's ever happened that those teams have gotten to the World Series. What do you think it's more of? Do you think it's the skill of the both teams that got them there, or do you think it's the other teams who were supposed to get here, aka like the Washington Nationals, the Tigers, the A's? Do you think that it was those teams failing, or these two teams actually just playing better? Um, it was a matter of these two teams executing. I wouldn't say playing better. I mean, I, I say it a lot. But um, I think these teams just, they got the hits when they needed to get them. They made the pitches when they needed to make them. Um, I, I definitely think the Royals are, they were the better team, obviously, in every series they played. They, you know, they proved it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's amazing, as you said, you know, the fact that these both these teams didn't reach 90 wins. They're both wildcard teams. Um, I think it, it just truly shows you... Um, that any team can get hot. October is very random, and you can never really predict it. Um, my World Series prediction was Angels and Dodgers, so that shows you how <laughs> how how, how yeah. much I I saw into the future. But you know, I mean, I don't think any anyone realistically gave these teams much of a chance. Um, so I think you know the fact that they've made it this far. I mean, it definitely proves that they they they're doing things right. Um, but even still on paper, I mean, I'll say it. Even still on paper, you look at the Royals, you you don't see much there. But when you know you look further into it and you see them play on TV and, and on the field, you can tell they are a team that that is just running on all cylinders right now. So I mean, you know, um, a really hot baseball team is always going to beat you know a, a steadfast you know good baseball team. I think I think it's 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 not so much about consistency in October as much as it's about making the most out of your opportunities, and that's what the Royals and Giants both did. Yeah, the Giants definitely had their test just getting through the Pittsburgh Pirates in the first round because the Pirates are playing so well coming out of the regular definitely. season. I'm going to put you on the spot, Brian, for your last question. I feel like you knew this was coming. What's your prediction for the series? How do you see it going down? Uh, I see the Royals winning in six games. Um, I I just think they are kind of a team of destiny right now. You know, I think the Giants have had a great season and have had that kind of magical run as well with, as of course, Travis Ishikawa with the game-winning walk-off home run. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, there's been a lot of great stories for both teams, and they've had tons of great moments. But um, I think the Royals, um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see because there was a, a four-day layoff. There will be a four-day layoff, um, and that can sometimes really show. Um, I don't think the Royals are going to sweep. I think the Giants are far too good to, to, to get swept. Um, so it'll also be interesting to see, you know, when the Royals lose a game, their first game in the playoffs, literally the first loss it would be in three weeks. Um, it'd be mm-hmm. really interesting to see how they bounce back, but I just think the Royals right now they're doing everything right, and um, I mean the pitching matchups aren't aren't too lopsided. You know Madison Bumgarner, um, James Shields. You know that that's going to be I think that'd be a, a pretty good matchup. Um, Ventura and Peavy. You know Hudson, um, and I, I, th- I think both teams are very very strong, but in the end also with home field advantage, um, I. I truly see the Royals winning the World Series, but then again, you know, as I said, I I, I was wrong with every other prediction this October, so <laughs> maybe it's a good thing for Giants fans that I'm picking the Royals. So we'll have to see. Hey, baseball can be a cruel sport sometimes in predictions. That's for sure. That's why we watch. <laughs> yep. Um, again, we're talking with Brian Enough of Baseball Essential. You can find him on Twitter at Brian Enough BBE. Is that right? Uh, yes. And you can also head. follow Baseball Essential at bb underscore essential and baseballessential.com. Yes, you can. There you go. Brian, we appreciate you coming on the show today, then taking the time to talk about the Red Sox as much as you might not want to, <laughs> and talking about the World Series as well. Hope you enjoy the World Series. It's going to be a good week, I'm sure. And we again, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you. You too. Uh, uh, yeah, enjoy the World Series and um, keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you. All right. All right. That, again, was Brian Enough of Baseball Essential, certified Yankee fan. Definitely not a fan of the way the Red Sox are going and trending and the way his Yankees are trending. But, hey, thank you again, Brian, for coming on. Hopefully it can be a good relationship between us. A good insight there, as always. Good noses baseball, just like the two of us. I'd like to say I know it better, but that's just me, my Red Sox fan coming out, not wanting to be worse than a Yankee fan. But uh, either way, 
I want to get going in. I mean, we got a World Series to talk about. We got a big World Series starting Tuesday. They got a lot of games this week. Game only games that are going to not be potentially after Sunday. Uh, after Sunday would be Game Six and Seven. So Nate, we're looking at a potential situation where next time we're recording and next time we're up here on air, the World Series could be over. Yeah, it very well could be. I I think that's the case. I, I'm. I'm going to tell you right now who, who I'm going to pick to win is going to win in five. I will tell you who I'm going to pick to win towards the later, latter half of the rest of the show. But I think the series is going to end in five regardless of who I pick to win. And But if we go around how we do this here and I want to, how I want to do this is basically, Nate, I want you to give me a case. I'm not saying tell me who you're going to pick. I want, I, want to, I want you to give a case for both teams of why they should win the World Series. And I want you to start with the Royals. The Royals. Well, you know, something that really impresses me uh, watching the Royals is their outfield. You know, they got Gordon, Dyson, and Kane. And, you know, watching a lot of uh, baseball and teams going against the Royals, you very rarely see any balls that fall in that outfield. You know, that's a speedy outfield who can gain a lot of ground in San Francisco as they do at home. Um, you know, I read a stat, and there's three to four second hang time with that outfield. And, and, you know, that's just an incredible stat. And, you know, another thing the Royals do well is play small ball. Uh, they got a lot of speed on the base, base pass. They got a lot of guys who, who aren't just up there to make a big name for themselves. They'll go up and bunt. You know, you got a guy like Alex Gordon, uh, Escobar. You know, they are, they got a lot of young talent on that team. And, you know, I Shields is pitching well. I mean, maybe not in the postseason where, you know, 5-6-3 ARA, but Shields has been there. You know, um, I look down this rotation. Ventura, Duffy. They've been pitching well, and you know when you got a guy like Greg Holland closing out games, you're in a pretty good situation. Yeah, the Royals, I think, have a good, obviously, riding the momentum. They're undefeated this postseason, of course, and I think that there's a few things for me that are going to help them, and potentially why they would win. I think Ned Yost is a big part of that. Um, a lot of people were obviously criticizing his decisions earlier in the postseason, but now you really can't. He's been doing a great job going, finding his lineup and really sticking to it. And that leads me to the second reason why I think they're going to win is that, like you said, that outfield and that defense led by Lorenzo Kane. Kane is just a phenomenal player. I think he's going to be a difference maker in this World Series. He was the ALCS MVP, and I think his defense alone is just spectacular, never mind the rest of the outfield. They don't let balls drop ever. They they will lay themselves out, and they they really do play till the last – play the game of inches and really don't let the balls drop. And I think the defense this this uh, postseason for them has been crazy good. I don't think um, anyone can really say that anyone's defense has been better all year. Um, I, I just don't see the defense not holding up in this sense. I think if the Giants are to beat the Royals, it's going to have to be I won't say small ball, but you're going to really have to find the holes that the Royals cannot get to, and that's, those are pretty tight windows in the outfield. You're going to have to get the ball down and quickly. You're not going to be able to keep balls in the air because if you hit balls and you start swinging for the fences like the Giants, the Giants don't do that, but if you start get, keeping balls up as a pitcher and keep it in the air, your, your defense is going to catch it because the Giants aren't too great of a home run hitting team, and anything left in the air for more than three seconds, the Royals seem like they're going to catch it. So I think between Alex Gordon... Kane and Dyson in that outfield, I think you're going to have another great defensive series. You're going to see a lot more top 10 highlights on ESPN with this, with this World Series and this Royals team before the week's over. And I think that, along with their shutdown bullpen, because their bullpen, once you hit the sixth inning, you could almost be screwed with Herrera, Davis, and then Holland closing things out. If you get to the sixth inning, after the sixth inning, if you hit seventh inning and you're losing to the Royals, good luck. Because if you're not going to have, there's not a good chance that you are going to get some runs off of them. Uh, I have a stat in front of me with that bullpen. Those, those three guys, or maybe still, well, hold on. Whole bullpen, whole bullpen for the Royals. 25.2 combined postseason innings this postseason with a 1.07 ERA. That is just disgustingly good. And most of those innings are Herrera, Davis, and Holland. And if you're, again, if you're losing to the Royals, if you're the Giants in the seventh inning and so on, you're almost screwed. And Yos has done a good job figuring out a way to rotate them and really not have to use them all every night. 
and that's kept them healthy. And they've um, all three of them have seen inning in almost every game this postseason, just due to the fact that they've been able to rotate and stay healthy, not have to pitch every inning. And being able to say you've pitched every postseason game is a pretty big deal, considering that's a lot of strain on your arm, but that bullpen's locked down. And I think that's the biggest reason for me that they would win, because like, we, like we've been talking about, they don't have the solid rotation like, say, the Tigers did. Obviously, they lost, but they have that lockdown bullpen that if your, your starters can't get you past the sixth inning, it's okay because you have that bullpen. Yeah, I agree. That bullpen is dynamite. You know, Holland's one of the best closers in the game. And, you know, they we'd mentioned this earlier. They play a very similar style to the uh, Orioles, you know. Get into that well, even or fifth, sixth, or seventh inning, hand it over to the bullpen, you know, throw the white flags and just let the bullpen go out there and do their job. And, you know, that, it's really impressive how that's worked for them. Yeah, I definitely think that they're going to be successful. Um, but, I, like, they have, they've been red hot. Since the beginning of the postseason, they were hot coming into the postseason, and those Royals fans are going to be really loud Tuesday night in Kauffman Stadium. Now, we don't want to discount the Giants, though. Every other year seems to be their year, and this is that year if you're, if you're putting it on the even amount of years, winning in 2010, 2012, and now 2014. The two years in between, they didn't make the playoffs. Now, Nate, history is telling us the Giants are going to win this win this series and make it every other year consistently, what do they need to do to win? And what do they need to do to beat this Royals team and be the only team to beat this Royals team in the postseason, matter of fact? I think so highly. The Giants in the playoffs. And uh, now I'm going to break this segment into five reasons why I believe the Giants will win the World Series. Hot take. Here comes a hot hot take from Nate right here. This is going to be exciting. I'm ready to The go. first category, I'd... I'd make this myself. Uh, mind your peas. You know, big-time players rise to the occasion at big times. You know, the Giants have several hitters who just hit the profile and just happen to be easy to track down the alphabet. You know, they got Posey, Pence, Panic, uh, Sandoval. If all of them can get reasonably hot at the same time generating offense, that could prove relatively easy for the Giants. My second category is he's no bum. You know, left-hander Madison Bumgarner appears poised to emerge, in my opinion, as one of the game's top pitchers. He's already excelled in two World Series starts. Uh, you know, he's working 15 shutout innings while yielding five hits and striking out 14. Uh, he can pitch to contact when he needs to. He can get a strikeout when he needs to. And performing under pressure doesn't phase him at all. And, you know, the remarkable thing about Bumgarner, in my opinion... Is he's 25. You know, you don't see that from many, many pitchers. Uh, yeah, my third category is, you know, the bulldog bullpen. You know, the Giants don't have an overpowering group of relievers, but it's contingent that they stroke, uh, throw strikes, which is of utmost importance in October. You know, uh, they got Santiago Casilla or Romo that can close games if necessary. You know, they got the lefties, Affelt, Javier Lopez, that gives the bullpen a very good righty-lefty balance, in my opinion. Uh, category four, experience counts, in my opinion. I don't know about you, but the Giants know what it takes to reach the World Series. And they certainly know what it does. It, they certainly know how not to. You know, depending on who's on the postseason roster, the Giants could have as many as 16 players on one or both of their World Series wins. And that doesn't count uh, veteran right-handers, you know, Hudson and Peavy, who know a thing or two about handling the spotlight. You know, those guys are aging veterans and have been around a long time. And my fifth and final, uh, you know, breakdown is cooling the hot seat. All that talk about manager Bruce, uh, Bruce Bochy someday reaching the Hall of Fame is legitimate. Uh, Bochy consistently excels maximum production from his hitters, whether he's dealing with a sub-500 club or a gifted champion. Uh, during games, he never gets caught by surprise, and he maintains a knack, along with pitching coach Dave Rigetti, for handling his pitching staff. Uh, you know, players on the Giants, they know Bochy won't get outmanaged. You know, he's one of the elite managers in the game. And, you know, they really respect him. And, you know, they go out there, they play hard for him, and they know he won't make that silly, stupid mistake that maybe a Ned Yost would make who's not as experienced. And that is my five takes on why, my opinion, the Giants will win the World Series. Boom. There you have it. Right out of Nate's mouth himself. 
five reasons why the Giants will win. I agree with all five of those. The biggest one I agree with is Bruce Bochy. Bochy is, a, is going to be a Hall of Fame manager, and as much as we want to give credit for Yost for doing what he's been doing, he has obviously gotten criticism, but Bochy hasn't made too many mistakes. I think the biggest one is not starting uh, Pettit over Vogelsong. I think he'll do that this time because that was a big mistake on his part. <laughs> um, but that aside, Bochy knows what he's doing. He, he's obviously been there before. He knows how to win. He has won, and he, he's going he's gonna to make the right decisions. Now, I think the Royals and Royals manager Yost really has to is going to have to outmanage Bochy, and that's going to be a tough task for them to do. I think I think the Giants are coming in as the underdog, just the way the Royals have been playing. But I really I don't know I don't really understand that. Just like between the history and who they have on the lineup, I I know I get the Royals are hot, and there's all the reason why to pick them. I just like I like the Giants only. I like the Giants' chances only because of Bochi, but there's definitely. Two big guys that I really think that are, are definitely going to have an impact on this series, and I think will help the Giants win if they do, and that would be Buster Posey and, of course, Pablo Sandoval. All the talks about Yost between Bochy and all, and all the right starters and the bullpens, and don't, don't get me wrong, the Giants have a phenomenal bullpen as well, and it's going to be, I think this series is going to basically become a battle of the bullpens. But don't forget about Buster Posey, because he is having an MVP season, and he is a he is definitely a ter- he's obviously a terrific catcher. I think the biggest thing that he does more than anything is really leading that pitching staff and being that guy behind the plate. And he's also a terrific framer. He gets he gets those strikes when it's for- close, and he's he's really talented at it. You'll definitely see his aggression. If you've never seen him catch before, you, you're clearly not a baseball fan because he's a good he's a well known guy. He's an MVP player. And he can frame the ball. If you watch Vasquez catch for the Red Sox, he has that same type of catch as Posey does if you've never seen Posey play. Posey can get anything called a strike if it's close. And I think that's a big difference. But the big thing for me with Posey is he really knows how to lead that staff. He's gotten the best out of Jake Peavy this year in a year that Peavy was struggling here in Boston. And that obviously was all not to do with – that was had to do something with the run support as well. But not getting too far into that, I think he's really helped Peavy. And I, I like Peavy to win another World Series. That'd be awesome. I think Posey has helped that pitching staff, and it really helps solidify that bullpen. No matter who pitches to him, no matter how many times new guys come in, he knows what guys' strengths are. He really studies the game. He's a great. He's still a student of the game, despite how good he is, and that's the best part about him. I expect Posey to have a big series, and he's also not a slouch at the plate either. He definitely has some pop, and he can come through in the big moments. And Pablo Sandoval, to me, is just, oh, he's so good, and honestly. Like I said, I don't want the Red Sox to go after just kind of if they if they can get Headley for a cheaper option, really help the Red Sox rotation. But I would I still wouldn't complain about Headley, and I really think that Pablo Sandoval is a big reason why the Giants are still doing well. He's had great defensive plays. He's been coming through in the clutch, and he really even even if he has a decent year during the regular season, he likes he really gets the playoffs and he really ups his game. And I think Pablo Sandoval is a phenomenal player at the third base position and I think just Buster Posey and Pablo Sandoval alone make the Giants a better offensive team than the Royals and they had the fifth I believe it was the fifth best mark for batting average as a team in the season this year if I remember the stat that I looked up correctly now there was a stat saying the Giants only had 14 more runs than the Royals this year and I'm bringing it up because I know someone will go and find it and complain to me later on if they have a way to contact me, which you do, Twitter and everything, I know someone will complain. Well, you know what? It's a difference because the Royals have a DH. The Giants don't. So there's a big difference there in run support. And the Giants the Giants have the fifth highest run total batting average in the league with with your pitchers hitting. And that's a big mark to do. And I, that, that speaks for Buster Posey, Pablo Sandoval, and other bigger-named hitters that the Royals just didn't have. Royals have been hitting better of late in the playoffs, but I really think that those two guys, on top of on top of the managerial experience and the decent bullpen, that isn't that much far behind the Royals. I think that is why. Da da da. Drum roll. I am picking the Giants to win the World Series. Yeah, I said it, and that means they're winning in five games because I said whoever I picked was going to win in five games, and I like the Giants to win Game One because Baumgartner's just been filthy, and I think he's going to outduel James Shields. That goes against my opinion of. James Shields being a big game pitcher and winning everything he does because he's going to lose the game one. But I still think it'll be a good pitcher's duel. 
And I think the Giants win game one, and that is why I'm going to say, because realistically, I think whoever wins game one takes the whole thing, because the way these both these teams are flying off high off momentum, if the Royals win game one in Kansas City, I feel like this team can't come off of cloud nine, especially if they go out and beat Baumgartner. But if the Giants come into Kansas City and shut them up, shut that crowd up, and send that party back to 1985, I think the Giants have all the momentum in the world and they go through and win in five games. So I think, Nate, next time we talk next week, I think this World Series is done. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I just think the Giants are going to be too uh, too much to overcome Kansas City. Now, Kansas City was a nice young story. They're reaching the postseason. But, you know, San Francisco and the veterans are going to come alive, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I almost don't want to see Pablo Sandoval leave San Francisco, you know. When you think of the Giants, you think of Pablo Sandoval. And, you know, it's uh, – it's definitely going to be a sad uh, moment if he does decide to leave San Francisco. And, uh, you know, with all his postseason success. And, you know, what's remarkable is you, you're talking about a guy who, I, I don't know if I have the stat correct, but I think he was hitting up near 125 in the first couple weeks of the season. And, you know, he really turned it around. And he's putting in impressive work uh, this postseason. And I'd like to just do a quick game and a little bit of World Series trivia, if you don't mind. I love it. Go for all it. Right. I'm all ears. All right. So, 32. Do you happen to know what that number represents in the World Series? In the World Series? Yes. Uh, either team. I'm going to say, for what? For either it, team? It could be a stat on either team. Oh, it could be a stat on either <laughs> team? That's, wow. Okay. Um, is it a strikeout stat? No. Okay, then go ahead. Uh, 30, Fill me in. 32 is uh, the percentage of Royals innings Kelvin Herrera, Wade Davis, and Greg Holland have pitched this postseason. Um, they had accounted for only 14% in the regular season, which that just adds on to what we've been saying earlier, that, you know, the type of ball the Royals play, you know, just get into the fifth or sixth inning and hand it over to the bullpen. Definitely true, because the way they've been – playing it makes sense the way in the po- like you said in the postseason they've been basically handing that ball to the bullpen it's it's been working it's been successful for them and i feel that the royals bullpen has been phenomenal that was a good stat i like yes. it that was a good I got, one. I got four more for you so get oh, ready okay shoot <laughs> go ahead i'm ready let's do it i'm probably gonna get them all wrong but let's go number 23 what does that represent and i'll give you a hint it is a stat on the giants the giants all right um 23 i'm trying to think here Huh. Huh. Is it? I'm gonna stay with the strikeouts as the number of strikeouts they've had this postseason. Nope, but you're uh. you're in the ballpark. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, not really, but I, it's the number of. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate the the, the uh, positivity there towards me. I appreciate the it. number of postseason games Pablo Sandoval has reached base consecutively, and that's Woo. a Giants team record. So you know that that just adds on to the fact that you know this. This kid comes alive, and if he was with the Red Sox, you know, he'd definitely bring that veteran postseason experience that, you know, a team going into next year would lack. Love it. I like it. That puts a little more uh, price tag. I could potentially put a price tag there on his contract as well, moving forward as well. So that's another thing to look him in. What do you got? What's the next uh, one? Shoot. <laughs> this is the number two. I'll give you five points if you get this one right. How about 1.83? You know, happen to know that one off the top of your head? I'm going to go with, it's got to be an ERA. Yep. Um, it's got to be, can, can you give me the team? Yep. That might help. San Francisco. San Francisco, is it the Giants bullpen ERA? Yeah, I, it is, and, you know, just adding on to that, yeah. you know, they're pretty good, too. They can, they can compete out there with the Royals and their bullpen. You know, the bullpen's no slouch either. And the last number I'll give you is 90. You happen to know what that is? 90, 90, 90, 90. Uh, no, I have no idea. You can tell me that All one. All right, quick, uh, quick with this. is, is the, the first World Series, two teams with less than 90 wins ever. And uh, Kansas City finished with 89 wins, and San Francisco finished with 88. So, you know, definitely two teams that had struggled at the beginning of the season, but, you know, got their act together. And it makes for a fun uh, World Series, and that's, that's a little numbers game with Nate. Uh, turn it back to you. That that shows the spirit of what these two teams mean. Having two wild card teams, like you said, under ninety wins each. Phenomenal feat for both of them to get in. And I I, I did know that. I saw that the other day, and I'm mad I didn't get that. Didn't even think of that. That was a good. That was a good five questions, five, five trivia questions. Um, that being said, 
sadly, we are out of time this week. Um, Fortunately, Tom Joyce is not able to join us, but again, thank you for Brian's Enough for joining us today, again, for Baseball Essential. Um, that being said, good week ahead of us. World Series, hopefully over. If, if I'm all right, Giants will win in five games. Hopefully that stands true. Other than that, it was a good week for all of us. I want to remind all of you again, just again, thank you, and we appreciate you sharing us. And go on to the, the Stitcher and, and the iTunes. I don't know why I'm using the in the front of both of them, but either way, go into there and throw in our DLNS name and it'll pop up all the podcasts and share and listen to and all that good stuff. We appreciate that. But in that being said, all the pleasantries done for the back, both front and back side of this show. Nate and I both appreciate you tuning in. And until next week, enjoy what should be an exciting World Series. And we'll talk to you next week after hopefully a Giants win.